listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you tuned in on uh, this Saturday morning, uh, a little early in the morning, at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, but we're glad to have you listening. And we've got a very special guest on all the way from Tampa, but actually he's in Ohio. But we've got our two roving reporters, <laughs> as they are. Rover? Rover and Rover E. No, uh... Both Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber are in the studio today. The building shook as they entered the door. I don't know why, but there must be some reason. Anyway, um, I'm just here to put the carpet up. Put the carpet up. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll take that. Anyway, uh, we're glad to have Steve and uh, Jim in today, and our special guest, uh, like I said, is from the Tampa Bay Auto Museum, and it we've got Mr. Olivier. Surf's on right now, and uh, Olivier, how are you doing this morning? Very good, very good. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, morning. Olivier. Yeah. Hi, I've got a cold, so we just got back from a tour, so I caught, I, I brought some New England germs back south. So, how's everything up in Canton? You have a big turnout for the show up there? Yes, it's going to be a, a big turnout. It's tomorrow. It's uh, Stan Hewitt Hall, uh, Concours d'Elegance. Wow. So they're expecting you know, it's beautiful up there. Good, good. And you brought the world's earliest self-propelled vehicle, I understand. Yes, that's right. We brought the, the nine, uh, 1770 uh, steam car, the Fargate Junior. It's uh, an exact replica that we uh, produced. Uh, it took us uh, six years to do with all the research and so forth. Wow. And uh, it will be running tomorrow. Matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and uh, run it this afternoon. Oh, that's great! Now, Jay Leno is also a big steam car uh, enthusiast. Is he there also, or has he seen this? Wait, I'm sure he's heard about it, but he hasn't. He hasn't seen it. It's only been uh, in 2011. It went to the opening in Paris at the Retromobile for the grand opening. Right. And then uh, the following year, it was at the Ford at the uh, Heritage Village. And it's now, the, for the third time, it's going to be exhibited to, uh, tomorrow. And then it's going to Germany in, in December for the Essen show. And uh, that's it. So it only goes where it can run. I, I will not have it uh, traveled anywhere if, it, if we cannot uh, demonstrate the Fardier. That's that's neat. I'm glad you do that because uh, there's something magnificent about steam cars. Tell us about uh, how you did this. Did you find some components and then put it together so that you replicated it, or did you make everything from scratch? Okay. Well, we uh, first uh, we went to Paris, where the original is still uh, in Paris in the museum over there uh, and uh, but it's not complete the boiler's missing, the distributor's missing um, and so we went there over and over to take measurements You know, we researched a lot did a lot of research from books from drawings and the museum there was a big help and then we had to do everything from scratch the frame uh, was built in France 
uh, in the south of France, just like they built the frame way back when. Of course, it's wood. Um, and uh, the uh, boiler actually uh, was done in uh, New Jersey. Um, the uh, All the mechanical components, uh, we did them next door to our museum. We have a manufacturing facility, so we, we uh, reproduced the mechanical components like the uh, the gears, because there is um, gears on that, you know, and uh, we, uh, the, the, the boiler shell was done in Tampa, Florida. Uh, the brass cylinders were done in, in Orlando. So it was everywhere. So it took a lot, a lot of time. Wow. That, that's incredible. Um, how big is this? Can you give us an idea, wheelbase-wise, it's about uh, 18 feet long. It's uh, seven and a half feet wide. It weighs, uh, it was to carry cannons. So ah. the weight is about three to four tons. Holy smoke. Uh, uh, so it's, it's a big piece. It's yeah. front wheel drive. <laughs> it's uh, rack and pinion steering for, for 1770. It's incredible engineering. It is. It sounds like it. And. How big is the boiler? I mean, in diameter, is it? It looked to me from the photographs like four or five feet in diameter. Yeah, the boiler itself inside is about uh, inside the shell is about uh, three feet in diameter. Wow! And, okay. and it's about the height is also about uh, three feet, okay. three to four feet. I have to remember. Uh, yeah. I, I got to ask, what is the uh, outsider uh, uh, temperature get around that boiler? Well, you, actually, with uh, around the shell area, you can actually touch it uh, uh, with your hand, and then you have to remove it really fast so you won't get a burn. But it's extreme; it's, it's extremely hot. So you know the shell is copper, um, and but it's back then the insulation wasn't the best. So it, it's warm. It's warm. It won't burn you, uh, but you'll notice it's hot. So, what, what's the pressure? Pressure maximum pressure is twenty five psi. I can run it between fifteen psi to twenty five psi. Uh, it's a tubular boiler. Uh, the boiler itself can go to up to uh, thirty five forty. It was made to the specification to go about forty psi, but I run it only. Uh, I have a valve. Uh, that comes on at 25 psi. Okay. Uh, again, excuse my voice, but um, with all the specifications, number one, how fast will it go? And number two, how do you stop this monster once it gets moving? <laughs> well, good question. Uh, the speed is about two or three miles an hour. Uh, so I didn't drive it up from Florida. Okay, I, <laughs> uh, I would have never made it. Um, and uh, the, the, to stop the monster is you have a wooden brake on the front wheel, and so the, you have the wooden piece with a, a uh, place to put your feet on. So you apply pressure with both feet on the, on the wooden plank that's right over the front uh, wheel. So it's, it stops very well. Also, you know, you, you shut off the steam, to the distributor, so therefore you have no more power to the wheel. So now, don't ask me to go down a hill when it's snowing and to stop. Okay, I don't know if they will stop, and I will not try that. But uh, <laughs> no, I usually you. run on flat surface. I don't blame you. It sounds like quite a quite a, a, a feat. 
Uh, just out of curiosity, have you ever thought about bringing it to Hershey to the big car show in Pennsylvania in October? Yeah, um, you know, we weren't asked, but, uh, you know, it's always a possibility. Well, I can tell you who to call about this, because I know that car would would really, really be something. Call Steve Moskowitz at AACA headquarters. Yes. And talk to him, and I'm sure they can make some special accommodations for you. Okay, yeah. And and I w- I'll be there, and I would love to see this vehicle. I, I have some friends that are going to be judging it uh, up there today. At Stan, okay. at, at Stan here. So if you run into a guy, Jim Raines or Joe Gagliano, tell him that uh, Steve said hello and that you were talking to me on the the morning broadcast. Uh, I will. On your on your, I, I got a little information sheet. Um, if we can leave that other car, what what are in your museum? Uh, you specialize all. It seems like in in European cars and. Most of them are from the brass era, fifteen and older. Well, yeah, we we are, well, we actually have nine American cars, uh, but we it's all around engineering. So, uh, and a lot of the cars are from the thirties. It's front wheel drive cars. We focus on front wheel drive cars like tractors that uh, Gregoire uh, invented the CV joints, then sold his patent. But we also have uh, Accords. We have the uh, Ruxton that uh, was just at Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then we have German cars like a Stover, which is a V8 all-aluminum front-wheel drive car from 1934, which is an aluminum block, uh, which is extremely rare. Uh, and then rear engine. The so rear engine is really Letvinka, which is from Czechoslovakia, so the Tatras. Uh, which was an amazing engineer, and a few Mercedes also. So we focus mainly on engineering. We do have some sleeve engines. We have the Willys Knight. Um, and then uh, next to Willys Knight, we have a Voisin, a Panhard, that uh, uh, they bought uh, uh, Mr. Knight's patent. Which Voisin do you have? A, C, uh, a C7 uh, uh, sedan, so it, it uh, it's a C7. A very early one, then, correct? Yes, a very yeah. early one. Yeah, okay. Because we just had one here at the uh, High Museum, and I think it was a C26 from the Mullen oh, no. collection. Nice. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful cars. Yeah, I was just on this tour up in New England. I went to a guy's house, and this guy collected prototype Packards, cars that they made but never were produced. And I never knew this, but Packard had a, a front-wheel drive car as well that they were contemplating competing against the Accord. And, uh, and, and it was a pretty amazing car. I don't know if you know that car or not. It's only one, and it was That's re- right, yeah. I, I haven't seen it, and I've heard about it. Um, you know, maybe one day I can... Uh, stop by Tampa Bay, but uh, yeah, no, I've heard about the car. It's, a, it's an amazing car. Yeah, but yeah, they yeah. never, they never went into production. Yeah, he had this guy. His name is Bear, Mr. Bear, and he collects prototype Packards uh, of the '30s and uh, stuff you never would have dreamed they were trying to do. You know, we're even air co- an air cooled Packard. Mm. Yeah, strange, strange stuff. But uh, it's not, I'd love to come down there. I have some good friends that live in Tampa, and we get down there a couple times a year, and I'm going to definitely make it a point to try to come by. Um, 
Whereabouts are you located in in Tampa? We're right off uh, we're in St. Petersburg, so we're about uh, 15 minutes from the airport. We're right off 275, and it's called Pinellas Park, so just before uh, St. Petersburg. Yeah, so it's easy. It's e- and it's open to the public. Your your display. Yeah, it's open to the public. It's closed on Tuesdays, but uh, we uh, yeah, it's uh, it's open to the public every day from 10 to 4. And Sundays from twelve to four, and we we have about sixty some cars there. Uh, yeah, and and I like your idea of of, of featuring uh, technology advancements or ideas in the automobile industry. I think that's pretty cool. Sort of. Yeah, just yeah, and we have you know, in talking about um, everybody says we don't have American cars, but you know we do have a Ford Mustang of the first year sixty five. Uh, all-wheel drive. Uh, we had, uh, it's a Mustang FF from uh, Ferguson. Uh, Ford sent two Mustang over uh, to England to have it retrofitted to the Ferguson all-wheel drive system. And um, so it's, uh, it's, that's, it's, it's a sleeper because you can't tell from the outside and it's, it looks like the regular Mustang, but uh, it's all-wheel drive. It's a magnificent car to drive. Cool. Um I'm just got a curiosity with your with your emphasis of what you're talking. Why would you pick a Willys Knight? Why would you pick that car? Because of the sleeve engine. So we wanted to not too many. You know, it's again it's around engineering, and uh, we wanted to demonstrate this, the sleeve engine. And I have a, also a cutout of a sleeve engine uh, to demonstrate to the public and to the kids. Uh, how a sleeve engine, why the sleeve engine was built, why it wasn't so successful, it was very you know complicated to build and so forth. So yeah. that's just just to have a difference. That's why we have we also have a uh, electric car in Melbourne from 1922 to show that hey, they did make electric cars back then. Oh yeah, it's nothing new. Right? The electric right. cars, they were ladies' cars. That's right, ladies' cars. So they didn't have to to go out and crank the silly thing up. Uh, I just kind of throwing out a couple things. Why an Allard? Why an Allard? <laughs> That's a very good. I know. Question. I mean, <laughs> there, there's a lot of answers to that question. Yeah, and, and which which yeah. Allard? Which well, Allard why is it? An Allard, because when we uh, started uh, collecting car, there was an Allard in, in a garage next to us uh, <laughs> that nobody knew what it was. So we said, "Hey, why not?" And then you know, the, it's the Allard, the same body Allard. Well, Allard won uh, the Rally Monte Carlo with it, and uh, I don't know how he did it <laughs> because, but uh, uh, so that's why. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was something. I, I've driven a couple Allards, and I have friends that have had them, and I just trying to think, what was so special about that? Except the. The flathead right. <laughs> flathead Ford engine or a Cadillac engine. Okay, I, right. I tell you, I'm going to have to interrupt this. We've got to take a uh, short break, Olivier. We'll be back with more of the Classic Car Show right after this. Are you into classic cars? Do you own a classic car? If so, you need to know J.C. Taylor Insurance, the absolute best place in the country for classic car insurance. They own classic cars, they support the industry, and have the best prices bar none. Go to jctaylor.com, get a quote, and tell them you heard about them on Radio Sandy Springs. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, 
There's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show. We've got uh, Olivier Surf from uh, Tampa Bay Auto. By the way, uh, Olivier, we have your website up on our camera, and it's streaming out uh, across the country at the moment, so people can take a look at uh, at your website. And uh, they, all they have to do is go to www.tbaauto.org, and uh, there you are. And they can get all the information about your museum. You know, Thank one, you. one thing I would like to point out to, uh, I don't know if Jim and, and uh, Steve were aware of this, but I believe your wife told me that you all do just about 100% of your own restoration, and, and you have a, a person there that uh, in the museum that's a restorer as well? Um, yeah, we, uh, we have a mechanic, uh, and then we have a, uh, a body a man that does, uh, right now we're, we're redoing, we're restoring a, a UW225 Audi uh, front-wheel drive uh, from 1935, and it's a total restoration, so the body man's doing all the woodwork, uh, and then he'll do all the metal work. Uh, we'll have it painted outside the museum, but he'll do all the prep work and everything. And then we have a mechanic that uh, uh, works uh, on the cars for, uh, you know, for takes the, all the engines apart, rebuilds the engine, rebuilds the transmission, and then we, if we have need a gear, then we have it done in Tampa and so forth. So, yes. Oh, two other questions. I think one of these I know will uh, put you in large favor with Mr. Ronaldo. And, I, again, I believe your wife told me that uh, all of your cars you take out and exercise as often as you can. And then uh, the other question I had is who does your uh, upholstery work? you all do it yeah, in-house yeah. as well? You know, it's it's done outside. Upholstery is we have a, a, a man that uh, does work for uh, us and works for a few uh, other uh, persons in town, and uh, he does upholstery work. It, it um, takes a little bit of a long time, but he does a very, very good job. Right. And then back to my other question, you do take all of your cars out and uh, drive them, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, my father and I and, uh, and my brother, we drive them. Um, all the time, they're all tagged, they're all licensed, ready to go. As a matter of fact, in the museum, they're parked so that uh, most of the time we don't have to move another car to get them out. Well, that, that's really cool. So, 
When I come down and visit you, you're, uh, we're going to take this Ruxton out for a ride. Now, that'd be a ride, wouldn't it, in a big Ruxton? Yeah. That's the ivory-colored Ruxton, isn't it, you had at Pebble? It, it's the uh, brown uh, color uh, Ruxton, mahogany. Mahogany. It's all the, yeah, it's all the, the mahogany, yeah. Okay. And no, no, no problem, it's... Uh, it's ready to go for you. <laughs> that's a, that's that's a. Uh, I think it's great when people get them out. One of the things that you mentioned, and I it was one of my <clears throat> again, excuse me, the the uh, uh, causes when I was on the Antique Automobile Club of America National Board was involvement, uh, trying to get younger people involved. And you mentioned that already. You mentioned. Uh, school groups. What? What do you have? Any special programs that you try to get the younger people involved in 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 this stuff? And also at the college level, with the engineering things that you guys have, the advancements and the and the first ofs that you you seem to to look for. Uh, I think any any tech college would be more than glad to have you guys come down. Uh, or go bring something and and talk to uh, the me- the mechanical engineering guys about some of the advancements in the cars that you have. Yeah, and, and you know we do some, but we don't do enough. Um, it's uh, we have school groups coming, and we have uh, in uh, high school groups, some colleges uh, once in a while the the, the one that I'm most interested in it are the, actually the younger kids um, because they're fascinated by cars and they don't really have a clue yet of these very old cars, the you know 50s, 60s, and then the 2000 cars. So, so it's interesting, but uh, uh, we could be doing more, and that's that's something that we will be looking at in uh, next year in 2015 to do more with kids. Yeah, I think that's really important, uh, and and I I I would I would when I was in college love to have had somebody with uh, this automotive stuff uh, because of course that was where my emphasis was, but but on the to to learn about these things from somebody who's experienced these these great trial and error advancements, I think it's just fabulous to see this stuff. You know, unlike yeah, just I, just a building of Model A Fords, and there's nothing wrong with Model A Fords. I've had one for years, but stuff like you have is just so cool. Yeah, well, we we do also have a Model A Ford with a gasoline unit in the back, so it runs on. Uh, it used to run on almond shells. It was in Spain, so now we run it on charcoal, and the, we burn the charcoal and extremely high heat produces hydrogen. So the car runs on hydrogen. Really? How cool is that? So, yeah, that's what they use. The gasogens they use uh, right after the war. Um, and this one would happen to be after the Civil War of Spain of 39. Oh, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, we it was uh, it loses a little bit of power. About one, it loses about one-third of power, but it runs. No, so, no smoke, a no smoking car for sure, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, another interesting thing in Italy, Alfa Romeo developed a wood burning uh, apparatus to run their automobiles. But it, but it couldn't drag the tree behind it to burn. No, no, no. It ran on wood, <laughs> not the whole tree. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that that didn't have the power to drag the tree, though, right? No, 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 it couldn't drag. <laughs> Olivier, what what role did uh, you know with with what you got up there on display in Canton? What role did uh, the French play in uh, the auto industry? I, I really wasn't aware that uh, they were they were probably the first or close to it. Well, the the, the French industry. Um, well, there was first of all in, in the uh, early nineteen uh, hundreds, uh, we had a lot, many, many different manufacturers, uh, and they they actually played a, a pretty large role because you had, like in the United States, like everywhere in the world, you know, I mean, hundreds of different names of automobiles, and uh, they they not uh, there was never any high production uh, of cars. Uh, but, you know, they did, like the front-wheel drive C.V. Jones, the Gregoire did. They uh, had uh, some of the first uh, steam cars in the uh, 1800s. Um, so, you know, a lot of uh, overhead valves. They did a lot, a lot of different uh, engineering back then. You know, Paul Harlevasser was one of the first car manufacturers. Yes, he was, actually, so, yeah. But, yeah, they played a, a huge role. But, you know, a lot of the engineering also came from Vienna. A lot of the engineers uh, were actually from Vienna, uh, like Porsche, like Letvinka, Jare, and so forth. Uh, well, and the other thing is Delage uh, and Peugeot developed overhead camshafts and racing engines in the early teens. Yep. And that evolved, and Miller copied them, and then Bugatti copied Miller, and it just kept evolving. But it all started back in France. Yeah. Yeah, I, my, one of the times I went to Paris, I stayed near the National Museum, the Auto Museum, and there's a Marriott right near there, and walked over there, and I think my favorite thing that I saw, everybody credits Mercedes-Benz uh, um, with the invention of the automobile, gasoline automobile, but there's a, a, a letter from, uh, I can't remember if it's, if it's Gottlieb Damler or Carl Benz to Paul Pujov for the first successful operation and testing of a gasoline-powered car. So, depending on whose side you're on, you can believe the Germans or you can believe the French. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> you're right there. Everybody has a little bit different twist on it. Well, and don't forget Durier. That was 1894. Mm-hmm. Well, so, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that company you accused me of starting to work for. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's twist it back to the uh, Tampa Bay Museum. And uh, one of the questions that we always ask, uh, and it seems, uh, you know, it, it's, it's uh, more important than I would have ever guessed uh, in the museum industry. How many weddings have you had at your museum? None. <laughs> Smart man. Are you, you wanna, so you want to be the first, David? Uh, for my third? No, I, I think I'll pass on that. So as we walk in the door, what uh, sort of give us a, a verbal or an, an audio tour of the museum, would you? Okay. Well, when you walk in the door of, of the museum, first you'll see uh, on the right the first uh, cars my father owned, uh, he, he owned one in 1957, uh, purchased a, a Peugeot Dalmat 302 from um, a, a, a police auction. I put a battery in it and drove away with it, and I've always kept, uh, you know, he drives that car today. 
and then you have right next to that Peugeot, you have a Delay 235, uh, a Samson uh, convertible, um, and a Talbot, uh, which is Talbot number one because it's a special engine and it's a super square engine. And those four cars, uh, my father never sold anything, always kept them and uh, are in the museum today and actually we drove it matter of fact that Talbot that he drove in the early 60s was my car in France in 1984 you know it, it was not as pretty as today it was there was no brown rusty but I drove that that car for three to four months in France I had to clean the carburetors every uh, few thousand miles but uh, so those that's how really the collection got started uh, he had a few cars and then you know we started adding cars uh, for, uh, after that. So then you go to the museum, you have a room on the right uh, with uh, the Cuneo, um, and then it's more of a like, kind of a military room because you have the Cuneo, which was built for the Army. You have a Kubo wagon, the Porsche first car, really, and then you have a Tatra, a six-wheel truck, so it's four-wheel independent um, in the rear, uh, it's an amazing uh, truck. And then you have a K-Grass, which is the first, um, how do you say, um, half-track uh, that was produced. And uh, K-Grass went, uh, had Citroën's engines, and traveled through Africa, through India, and so forth in, in the 30s. Um, well, so that's really that. I'm going to have yes, to stop sir. the tour here for just a second. We've got to take another break. Our time is up for, for this segment. But we'll be back and continue the tour right after this. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show, and we're going to continue the tour. We're down in Tampa, Florida. Well, we're not really, but anyway, uh, the museum's down in Tampa, Florida. We hope it's still there, and uh, Olivier's giving us a tour. And we'll let you continue with it there, uh, Olivier. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, so as we go on, the, we'll walk through, uh, we'll notice the sleeve cars. Uh, so that we have the, the Panhard, the Voisin, the Willys Knight, and uh, also a cutaway of a sleeve engine. Um, on the other side, you'll discover Claveau, which Claveau was a French engineer 
um, that uh, always produced car for the Paris show but never went into production. He was always way ahead of its time, and only one of his cars survived. Uh, so we happened to be able to find it, and uh, it's it stamped in our museum now. It's uh, very aerodynamic. Uh, Clevel was was a very very good engineer, but no funds to go any further. Again, too much too ahead of its time. So you continue, and then on the uh, right you'll discover the uh, race car front wheel drive 1929 tractor race car, a one liter that won its class in 29 and raced four years at Le Mans, always finished. Um, next to it, you'll discover a front-wheel drive Ford uh, race car uh, that from the 1920s. Uh, we call it Mimil because we have uh, no information on the history of the car. Hmm. It has a roof head uh, on it, which uh, apparently, from what I understand, is the only uh, head that, a uh, roof head that still is in working conditions and they're, they're making um, replicas of the roof heads right you know today but uh, so the roof head is from 1929 and as we keep going to another room now you'll discover a Mathis the 333 uh, it's a three-wheel car uh, it was done in 1942 to 1946 it's a, it's a, like a bubble it's a very small car it's made out of aluminum one millimeter thick aluminum it's an amazing car it gets 76 miles to the gallon it goes 76 miles an hour uh, it's a two cylinder two different radiator uh, Mattis was made cars pre-war cars and then during the war they studied this car they wanted to go to production uh, with the car making a hundred uh, cars a day uh, advertised everywhere where the Paris shows and so forth but it never went through and we don't know why uh, we know we have the, all the history of the cars they made nine prototypes um, but never it never went far I think it was too expensive to build it required at this time 6,000 spotted uh, well points in aluminum on the engine it was uh, it's a very very nice engine I think it was also very complicated too expensive to build but uh, then the last the last room is really all the front wheel drive cars and rear engine rear wheel drive cars so you know most people see mercedes that a rear engine mercedes uh which they'll go what that looks like a volkswagen <laughs> hmm. but uh and then of course the tatras uh and the front wheel drives we have a we have one sahara a citroen which has two engines it's the dechevaux it's got the engine in the back and the engine in the front so you can run it front wheel drive or rear wheel drive or all wheel drive in the 60s they made about uh, 700 of those Is Olivier, I, I'm, i've got to ask you made a statement um engineered or, or done before their time or whatever we always like to look at it and, and wonder where it Particularly, you, you've mentioned several times the different drive trains, just like you did this one. You could do the front front uh, wheel or, or rear wheel drive. Where, in your opinion, where did these guys come up with this idea, and did they have secret CAD systems that they were using to test them before they, they did it, or how, how? Can you take us through some of what you think uh, they were they were thinking about when they came up with these ideas? Well, you know. First of all, 
all these individuals were were great engineers. And, and back then, not only you you were you were, those particular people were very well educated, you know. So they had they knew how to draw. They knew how to they, they were very literate. They were engineers. They could do it all. And you know, with a small staff, with experimenting. Uh, different ways of doing things and also they really knew each other there was a good you know we always say you know Porsche copied on Litvinka or so back and forth or Mercedes was the first or Audi or Peugeot and all this but you know there was actually there was a lot of knowledge that transferred and they would all work really together so they all knew a little bit what everybody was doing but someone may take it to another level and so forth so uh, trial and error. The, the one that amazes me is really the one from 1770, Cuneo, uh, that did this uh, first pressurized boiler and the, this car, this moving car, which I don't know how he, I don't know how he did it. I mean, this, this man had to be a genius. But you know, you have to remember these these guys were were. Uh, we don't have that anymore in the car industry. Now you have you know 1,000 engineers designing a car. Uh, back then, you had one guy that had some ideas, and he did it. You know, today, for an engineer that has some great ideas to get it through the process of a, a big company, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult. Even though he may have a great, great idea. Well, you said you had a thousand engineers, but then you have twenty-five thousand accountants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and about a thousand federal people breathing down your neck to pass emissions and safety laws. Right. So um, yeah. I- I've got a couple of questions. The Delahaye you have, which body is on that? Is it a Frenet or Fagoni or? It's a Chapron. Ah, Henri Chapron. Okay. Yeah, it's a Chapron. It's a two thirty-five Chapron. It was one of the last one. Um, Alan, my father, uh, purchased it from the gypsies. <laughs> from the gypsies. That's got to be a story. Yeah. yeah, that's got to be a story all yeah. by itself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. And, and uh, it, is your Talbot, is that a Talbot Lago, or is it a, a just a basic Talbot production car? It, it's, the, uh, uh, it's a big body production car um, that uh, uh, has a 2.7 liter engine. It's a square engine, so it's, they took the engine and made it uh, the stroke sh- a shorter stroke for the piston. So the serial number on the engine is number one. Wow! Is it a, a, like a T26 Talbot? It, it's a, it's a smaller. We I do a, we do have a, a T26 in the museum right next door to it, uh, but this one is more of a, a rounded body. It's called the 15. Ah, okay. uh, it's one of their very last one, um, and then we also have a, a Tabo America a chassis that uh, was, there was never a, a, a body put on. It was the chassis was sent to the United States for export, and uh, but uh, no one ever uh, built the body. So oh. we have the chassis and we have the uh, the engine. That and that's uh, that engine is a V8, if I remember rightly, correct. Or some of them uh, are. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a BM. It's a BMW right. engine. Right. All right. And your Allard model. What is it? A K or a J series? It's a K. K one. K one. Okay. All right. Interesting. It looks like a man- manatee. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know what you mean. And your father's uh, <laughs> Peugeot, your uh, Darlmat, is that yes. have the retractable hardtop? 
it, it's got uh, it's a two it's a two seater, so right. it has a soft uh, top. Okay. And where the windshield actually slides down into uh, the firewall. Right. It's a, it's uh, yes. Uh, that's it's the Peugeot Dalmat that they raced. That one did not because I didn't. I don't think they've ever found one that raced at Le Mans okay. in thirty nine. And and do you have any Dyna Panards? We have a, a, a dynamic Panhard, yes. Okay, and a Deutsche Bonnet? Any of those? Because those no, were no Deutsche Bonnet. Those were very aerodynamic race cars too. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, your your museum sounds incredible, and uh, I just I can't wait to get down there and see it. Yeah, please do. I'll uh, then just ask for uh, you know myself, Olivier, or. Alan, my father, my wife is there in the afternoon. She actually knows more about cars than I do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you are very diplomatic. <laughs> well, I'm more interested about the gypsies. Uh, that's got to yeah. be an amazing story, just the gypsy. Yeah, car. the gypsy. Well, he, he purchased, he, a friend of his saw the car at, at, uh, at the hotel, and uh, he went to see the car, and he says, yeah, I've got this car. Uh, I guess the, the gypsy didn't have enough money to pay the bill, so they left me the car. And that was <laughs> in the Le Mans area. And uh, so he got the car, uh, but no title. And the uh, said, yeah, well, I think they're in South France, uh, uh, around this area. So he drove down, uh, actually, with my mom, found the group of gypsies, and the man said, here you go, here's a title. <laughs> so it was, you know, a lot of luck uh, on everything on that. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, so that's the story of the gypsy, yeah. Oh, that's incredible. It is. It's a great story. Yeah. It's a great story. Wonderful. Do you, um, Olivier, do you spend much time in the museum or in the manufacturing side of it? And if so, do you do some of the uh, tours yourself? Um yeah, well, you know, I, the museum is located right next to our manufacturing facility, so, um, you know, we I have to work next door to pay the bills of the museum, but we're very lucky that it's right next door. So, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm involved with the museum quite a lot. You know, I drive the car. I'm, I'm the second shift mechanic when they break down. <laughs> so, uh, but I love, I love uh, giving tours to two people, to uh, It's always... It's always interesting, I, and I also always learn something when someone comes in that says, "Oh, did you know this or that?" But, no, I didn't. How, you how always have, learn something. How have your uh, crowds been over the past couple of years with the gas prices and uh, all of the uh, stuff that's been going on? Uh, actually, our, our attendance is always increased year to year. Uh, we do not advertise very much because doesn't really a cost to advertise and I want to thank you very much by the way for having me on this show this morning uh, but uh, the crowds is uh, we know we average I don't know 500 to a thousand uh, a month um, and uh, so it's for us it's very good that's good you know I I accept your uh, your thanks about the being on today and we'll have you back on again at some future date but I want to mention the fact that um, a very nice lady from Alaska uh, 
Fairbanks, Alaska, contacted us because of this show, and uh, she wanted us to mention, uh, do some PR work for her, and we're, we will be doing it and scheduling a uh, time to get with her and interview her as well. And we uh, we appreciate all the people that listen and uh, download the podcasts of the show at later dates and listen. And uh, we uh, we really appreciate the museums and the work that you all do, Olivier. The the automobile, in our opinion, is such an important factor in our world today uh, in so many ways, and we uh, we just can't lose this history. With that being said, we got to take our last break. We'll be back with Olivier Surf right after this message. Are you into classic cars? Do you own a classic car? If so, you need to know J.C. Taylor Insurance, the absolute best place in the country for classic car insurance. They own classic cars, they support the industry, and have the best prices bar none. Go to jctaylor.com, get a quote, and tell them you heard about them on Radio Sandy Springs. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join yeah, these me are and my names that I've never Al even Scherzer heard of. Every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Well, those are those listen to the doctors' about. lounge, where you get common. a private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Well, he was Join never here, so how can he be no longer with us? Whether cruising the strip in a '57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a '71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser. You need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hi, I'm Ray Bowman. Hope you will join us each Friday at noon for our new show, Food and Farm, brought to you by FeedStuffsFoodLink.com, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back with uh, the last segment of the Classic Car Show for this Saturday, and we've got uh, Steve and Jim over there talking about Olivier and the museum that he has down in Tampa Bay. We were all just saying it sounds like a wonderful place, and some of the cars you have are... There's never you're never going to be able to see them unless you come down there to take a look at these things. You're just they're just not going to be available to see anywhere else that I know of. Yeah, we've, it's uh, we're we're very fortunate. You know, you'll, we have uh, when you go in the back room, uh, you'll see a um, you have a Cord L twenty nine next to a Tracta uh, sedan, which with a six uh, cylinder Continental, which is only two in the world, next to a Beverly uh, supercharged thirty seven, next to a Ruxton. So just you know those front wheel drive cars right there. It's uh, to me it's, it's very special. I think the L twenty nine is one of the most beautiful cars made in the thirties. It's the proportions are just drop dead gorgeous. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yes, and uh, and we also have a sixty six Doronado uh, because you know the last year of American production of front wheel drive was thirty seven, and uh, they never uh, the U S never produced the front wheel drive until the uh, 66 Toronado, which was the most uh, high-performance front-wheel drive of its time with the big engine, a lot of horsepower. Yes, yes. Do Do you ever go to, have you been to Hershey on your own just to go? You know, my father goes all the time, and I myself, I've never been to Hershey yet. Never been. It's in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, first weekend after the first full week. Yes. Yeah, yeah I, I make it up. I really hope you do call Mr. Moskowitz and try to get that 
your your car that you you have today at Stan Hewitt up there. I think that'd be just, you know, it's the biggest car event in the world, and yeah. uh, uh, I think that would just be the hit of the show. Olivier, what do you have that's not in the museum that's in line to be restored to be displayed in the museum? Yeah, so, well, we have two Audis. Uh, I've been looking, uh, my, Alan and I, my father and I, were looking for 20 years for a front-wheel drive Audi, and we found two within uh, six months of each other. One we found in Lakeland, Florida, an hour away from from our uh, museum. Uh, it was a bar find, and uh, they'll take a year to, to redo this car, but... Uh, we like the Audi because of the engineering. It has a Wonder engine, which is a, a Porsche engine. It's a straight six. Uh, it's a Porsche design. Uh, and, of course, the front-wheel drive, which uses tractor um, U-joints in it. And it looks... I haven't driven it yet, obviously, uh, but it looks like a fantastic car. It's a Cabriolet. It's a four-window Cabriolet. And then we found another one in Cincinnati on eBay two months ago. Uh, which was listed totally incorrectly, and um, so we brought that. So we were storing both of them. We won't keep both of them because they're very similar. Um, so there's no need to keep. So, and then that's it right now in the queue. You know, we always uh, we always look for different, you know, of course, different cars, engineering cars, and um, so. But who knows what will come this year? What what year are these Audis? Are they pre-war? Yes, the pre-war, the 1935. Okay, very good. It's interesting how the integration of things like the Wanderer engine, and I believe you said it was the uh, Tracta uh, universal joints and things, and I'm yes. sure they use the same suppliers as much as possible, too, as the current industry does. Right, yes, they, they uh, yeah, you know, it's, it was a small. It was even though the distance were large at that time for to travel, but it was still a small industry, and a lot of people knew each other, so they 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 helped each other out. Right. Uh, did you take a uh, Tatra to uh, Pebble Beach this year too? Uh, no, we didn't. We just took the Ruxton. They they did want a, a six hundred three uh, Tatra, but uh, it's a lot. It's far. <laughs> yes, it, 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 it's, it's a very, lot of work. Very far. So yeah. and they had a great collection of Tatras. Uh, I don't know if you know Jeff Lane in Nashville. His, his yes. museum. Yes. 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 Great. Yeah. He, he's a good friend, and he has a great, great collection of Tatras. So he he brought a couple of Tatras himself. Good. Good. Yeah. My friend Martin Swig had one, and uh, I remember riding in one when I was a child. There was one in the Midwest when I was growing up. I have no idea whatever happened to it. Um, from the standpoint of French cars, do you ever think you'll find a Deutsche Bonnet or a Dyna Panard or an Alpine or anything like that? You never know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I just I think it's neat that you're focusing on the technology there, uh, right? It, it, I mean, obviously, a uh, an early Peugeot from the teens or a uh, Delage; those things are millions of dollars now and would probably be unobtainable. But yeah, that's 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 becoming a problem. The 
uh, however, you know, we're fortunate because the cars we're looking for, most people don't know what they are, never heard of them. So it's still obtainable because they, it's not like a, a Ferrari or, or something right. That, right. that everybody knows. So yes. in, in a way, we're fortunate. But, yeah, it is going up uh, crazy. That's, uh, that's, that's, but, you know, it's, uh, you never know what you can find. Just, like, you know, like we just found these two artists, so who knows? Yeah. Uh, just, just a question about that stuff. Um, what do you think is going on with the market, collector car market in Europe? Uh, for example, in the U.S., and I'm sure you know this, that after Barrett-Jackson, they had this panel of people, and they said that only cars that have a something special about them are going to continue to increase dramatically. Uh, the muscle cars are done. Uh, the average car, like a Model A, uh, whatever, Packard, will continue to hold its own, but not at this tremendous uh, growth that happened, say, 10 years ago. Uh, what do you think is going on in Europe? Because that influences a lot about what happens here. Yeah, and, and in Europe, uh, what I'm finding out is that uh, the the normal car like like a Dash Citroen uh, are going up uh, you know to, uh, rapidly where most people now cannot really afford a, a nice vintage car so um, it's not going up as high I don't think on the high end uh, as it, it is in in the United States but still you know the Mercedes the Porsches that made they made thousands of are going up in price where. A lot of people now cannot afford it. So, you know, a lot of, I think still a lot of people are, are buying cars for investment purposes, which, you know, I am not sure. I, you know, people ask me all the time, uh, you know, should I buy a car to invest on? So I tell them, no, no, don't. You know, do it because you enjoy it. It's, it's, it's yes. a hobby. You can, yes. you can do it. You, you must enjoy the car uh, because, you know, I, it's hard. Everybody, you know, I, I don't know exactly. I think what's going on today in the market is is a little bit crazy. But then again, I said that, you know, 20 years ago. So I, I'm not a very good reader on what's going to happen. But it's definitely going up. And uh, uh, I hope that it stalls out so that it, the I people, agree. the real I agree. car guys, can, can get their exactly. hands on cars. Exactly, yeah, because we see that at, at Hershey, again, as an example a lot of Europeans walking around Hershey buying American cars. And, and I mean, they, they transporters and shippers even have uh, setups right there. They just take it, and it's gone. Right. Olivier, what uh, I think uh, Jim asked you this sort of, but uh, on your wish list, and, and hopefully we've got a, a good audience now and, and we'll have a, a lot of uh, podcasters listening down the road, on your wish list, what are you looking for? Well, I'd like to have a Bernie. <laughs> I like to have a Crossley. <laughs> Those are very rare cars. Uh, you know, any, anything that is uh, engineering-wise, uh, very, very interesting. It didn't have to be a success, obviously, because some of those cars that we have in our museum, for one reason or another, did not make it out in the production. Uh, but uh, anything that, that has... Uh, Something really interesting in it uh, would be uh, would be fun to would be fun to have. 
and, and so uh, uh, you know American or or, or European cars. Do you, do you want to stay with a particular time period or totally wide open? Yeah, the the, the time period is, is usually in the, the 30s, 40s. Pre-war is, is, is our preference. You know, the post-war for me, there's really a, a car that that I think was was a very good car was the, the Jensen FF all-wheel drive Jensen Interceptor, which is rare today. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. So that that would be one car that would be interesting, especially next to the Mustang FF. Uh, but uh, we like to stay pre-war. Well, I guess that does away with my old Explorer. I was going to try to to uh, lay <laughs> off on you, so I, I, I guess uh, I'll have to keep that. That's a, that that that's a, a pre pre Iraq. That's true. Yeah, yeah. or yeah. pre something. Uh, <laughs> but it runs. Yeah. Well, I I just I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. I, I I can't wait to get down there, and it probably will be next spring during uh, spring training. But I will come over and see you. I promise that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Please do. Oh, oh, one more. Uh, the uh, Franklin V12 uh, would be also very nice. <laughs> ah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, yes. any, uh, I'm not picky. <laughs> how about a how about a Cadillac V sixteen Roadster? You yeah. you wouldn't turn oh, that one down. Yeah, the, the big the VV sixteen. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, gentlemen, anyway. this. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I want to thank you uh, for you guys to have me on your show. It was uh, it was very nice of you. Well, you're well, quite thank welcome, you. and uh, we appreciate your time this morning. And I hope you have a good time up in uh, Canton, Ohio. And I'm sure you will. Uh, fascinate a lot of folks that come by and, and take a look at uh, your steam engine up there. Cool. Cool. So thank with, you. With that being said, uh, again, thank you, Olivier, and we'll be in touch soon. You've been listening to America's Web Radio, the classic car show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Stay tuned for more on America's Web Radio.